Live from the Lincoln Douglas Building in downtown Quincy, the only local show taking a principled stand on the issues of the day. This is how it happens. It's the natural process of things. The view of the entrenched is predictable, but it's also erroneous. With Sean Seacrease. We have an addiction in this country, not only to government welfare and government handouts, but more fundamentally to other people's money. And Quaid. Again, you're dancing with government. This is the morning meeting. You cannot continue to advocate for status quo when status quo has run the ship aground. On Talk Radio 930, WTAD. No, it hasn't. It hasn't. And it hasn't been finished at all. Ken Carpoitz has a question. It's nice to one on three. You went over a minute over and you don't stop her. When I go one second over, it's like you had many answers. It's really very interesting. I know you're into big diversion tonight. Anything to avoid talking about your campaign and the way it's exploding and the way Republicans are leaving you. We have to be sure that Muslims come in and report when they see something going on. We are not at war with Islam. Locker room talk. Uh, I'm not proud of it. I apologize to my family. I apologize to the American people. Not only women, and it's not only this video that raises questions about his fitness to be our president. I will say this about Hillary. She doesn't quit. She doesn't give up. I respect that. His children are incredibly able and devoted. And I think that says a lot about Donald. It was incredibly awkward at the end, but was that even the most awkward moment of the night last night at Washington University in St. Louis for the second presidential debate? Sean Seacrest Quaid with you this morning as we get the morning meeting started. Mm. Post-debate breakdown, what we think was missed, how I think the goalposts were moved within the first two questions of the debate, and Jim Hoft, who was openly rooting for Donald Trump last night as we were texting each other. Uh, during that debate, uh, a couple of interesting exchanges along the way just to kind of lay the groundwork for this, Quaid. I was texting with Jim Hoft, who we're going to have on in just about half an hour here on the morning meeting, as well as with Craig Robinson, who we uh, set up the debate with on mm-hmm. Friday. And Jim is has made no bones about the fact that he is a Trump supporter. So when you hear his comments later in the show today, understand that if you've forgotten or, you know, the weekend you, you killed the brain cell that you had stored the knowledge that uh, Jim Hoft was a Trump supporter in, he will be commenting from that angle after the debate last night. Uh, but, but Craig, I expected a little bit more high-mindedness from. And Craig was rolling around in the mud. He was so into the fact that the claws were out. His, his exact uh, text back to me was, Wounded animal in a corner only got one option. Attack! So I said, you know what? That's all well and good. I said, but maybe I'm just too much of an old curmudgeon. I'm thinking about what the other first world countries are thinking as they watch the nation that is still the shining beacon of freedom of opportunity having this sort of E-Kardashian-esque debate to decide who the next leader of the free world is going to be. And frankly, I was a little embarrassed for our country. Uh, I, I was also on my third vodka tonic. I understand the, your, your sentiments, but at the end of the day, those people in those in the other countries aren't voting, or they're not supposed to be voting in our, in our election. So I, I get where Craig is coming from, but I, I also understand your perspective uh, on that. What, what essentially you're saying is, 
we've invited the the world to see the crazy side of our family. Exactly. At Thanksgiving or, or something. Right, and, right. And this you haven't like, had a chance to brief them on, look, <laughs> this is going to happen. Nobody's there All to right. run interference for them. <laughs> you know, this is, this is like date 15. When you start to fart in front of each other, yeah. you know, like this mm. is, we're, we're all too comfortable and everybody's, you know, just sitting around with their shoes off on the back porch, crushing beer cans on their forehead and throwing them at each other. Yeah, well, and those are the moments when somebody's going to say something that you hope doesn't get recorded and then used against you at a later <laughs> date. You're exactly right. <laughs> <sighs> Let's start to break this thing down. Uh, coming up on the show We'll also figure out what country is trying to run away from their legacy. Uh, and this time, it's not the U.S. And uh, how the Benedict option is being misinterpreted uh, by quite a few people. And uh, there was an, an announcement made this morning uh, on the local level for politics. Uh, we'll have that coming up okay. before the end of the show today. But as for last night and the debate at Washington University, I thought right out of the gate, and, and I believe I text you this, I thought Hillary was trying to sort of move the goalposts on Trump right out of the blocks. She started by sounding off on the tape from 2005. Well, that uh, was the, that was I mean that was where Anderson was, Cooper went. Yeah. Yep. And then it, it, but she jumped on. Mm-hmm. She jumped well, on sure. calling him unfit and everything. And then when he followed up by questioning Bill's actions I thought Trump's Trump's tack here was very interesting. Question: Are actions speak louder than words? Why is he not been held accountable for these actions? And I, I thought he was going to go a step further with this. I thought that he was going to take it all the way to its conclusion, which is: How can you pretend to stand up for women when you've stood by somebody who has treated you as a woman so shabbily with his pledge through marriage to you? I thought he was going to go all the way. He didn't. I wanted him to the impl- because it's the logical conclusion. The implication, right. the implication was floating was out there. Yeah. But I, I w- it was interesting to me that he didn't actually say the words. But then when, when, when Bill's misgivings were brought up and Hillary's role in them, she immediately said, why won't you talk about the issues? So she was moving the goalposts within mm. you know three minutes of it starting, and it was completely obvious to me. What that that she was trying to sort of change the level of the bar at at that point, and, and things kind of settled down after that. But after she after she said he didn't want to talk issues, she went birther Mexican judge. You know, she wasn't talking issues; she was yeah. talking about his crazy. Mm-hmm. So they spent the first what opening ten minutes yelling at Anderson and Martha and, and calling each other crazy. I, I also and I, and I and I wrote this other uh, I under a I underlined the word uncomfortable and put an asterisk by it out of the out of the gate, but Hillary seemed to be addressing the people surrounding them as if they were and she never used these words but this is really the vibe I got from her she went full lawyer they were ladies and gentlemen of the jury and she was making the case. I, whether it was an opening opening statement or a closing argument, right? She was making the case to them as if they were a jury, mm-hmm. not as if they were uh, American citizens, and she's just trying to have a conversation with them. Uh, that was it, and she gave off a well, that's, very lawyerly vibe. That's her comfort zone, though. She, sure, she I, is I an attorney. I understand that, but it, 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 but as as president, uh, you you kind especially in a town hall. 
mm-hmm. type of a setting, you're, you're supposed it's, to it's connect. It's time to loosen the tie. Yeah. You're be a little to... bit more homely. Mm. Well, yeah, or homey. You know, connect with the people who are surrounding you and, and try and, as you make the connection with them, you're mm-hmm. also making the connection with the viewer at home yes. who identifies through them. Yeah, she was, it, it's interesting. She had a softer, more acceptable language for everything that was brought up. Uh, she wasn't uh, elected to office for 30 years. She's been a humble public servant. <laughs> she doesn't want to tax you. She wants to invest. She's investing. Yes. yes. She, she, so she has all of these focus group tested words and phrases to sort of recast the fact that she is the establishment uh, personified in this race. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was very interesting. Uh, she'd take the question and she was she was very she her body language and i think we had this exchange as well her body language was much more relaxed trump seemed a little bit on edge to me he was uh if, if i'm looking at his nonverbal he was he was standing behind the chair but he was also trying to put a physical thing between himself and the moderators and the cameras it felt like it it it, it felt like he was trying to distance himself where she was a little more open, and her body language was a little more relaxed. Uh, I understand what you're saying. I also think it maybe he had a little little extra energy. He stood for most of the mm-hmm. most of the time. That's fine. Whatever you know your your comfort level is at yeah. that point. I, and, I, and he's a taller guy. Maybe the stool was at an awkward height. Sure, it was one of the higher like bar stool yeah. type situations. So I, that that's fine. I really wasn't trying to break down their their body language uh, between each other or. Uh, the people around them too terribly much. I, I did notice that he didn't he didn't go to whoever had asked the question. I mean, if you want to take it there, he didn't cross the stage to her side very often. If they, it was coming from his side, he did face up and sort of take a step that way. She was all over the stage. Mm-hmm. He did not seem to cross over, and it was a cold beginning. Oh yeah, no handshake, no barely a nod of recognition. Well, he had just held the press conference a couple of hours before then, and I think that's important to 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 know is that you you talk about framing things b- before everything got underway. Uh, the fact that he had held this, I, I call, you call it presser, but but he, he they videoed mm-hmm. it was it was the YouTube or not YouTube they Facebook lived it uh, with uh, some of the women who were opposite uh, Bill Clinton. Uh, as far as uh, assault accusations and even the 12-year-old uh, rape victim from Hillary's past, uh, he had that. You want to talk about unprecedented mm-hmm. and and kind of reframing things and just th- throwing a, a big monkey wrench into the proceedings. Uh, Trump did that yesterday, and I know that Jim's going to want to weigh in on that uh, when, when we get him here. However, I will say there was a point in time early on that it kind of sounded like Hillary was teasing that they had more on Trump and that it would be released when it was most beneficial to her. Mm-hmm. The, the, if you read between the lines, there was times where she kind of implied, I'm sure there's, there's more out there, and uh, I won't be surprised if we, if, we, if we end up seeing and hearing more. And, and to me, that implies we've got stuff just Just keep waiting, and when the time's right, we'll unleash it. We've got plenty more coming up. That was the overall feel from last night's debate. What answers did they give that shocked us? What topics did the moderators avoid, and the public, for that matter, as 50% of the questions came from a, quote, undecided voter public last night? 
And are we all going to get our 15 seconds of Kenneth Bone? Who knows? Because he seems to be the true winner with the number of social media gifts and everything else created after his comments and question last <laughs> night. And we may have been bored by that debate at some points. We'll break into that all coming up here as we continue this morning on The Morning Meeting. Where we go, others will follow. That's who we are. Even if it's not the best idea. The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. This is Mark Levin, and you're listening to The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Quaid, Sean with you this morning. Jim Hoff, the Gateway Pundit, on the way this morning here on the morning meeting. Have you ever wanted to just wave your hand or verbally wave a wand that would just implicate the fact that everything your opponent has said just isn't true? I counted nine different times that Hillary used that phrase or a version of that phrase to essentially rebuke any claim that Trump has made. And this went from anything from uh, when they talked about how to address the uh, uh, tax code to how they address the economy to foreign policy issues to all the way down the line. Donald would say whatever it is he said, and then she'd get up and go, well, none of that's true. Uh, another thing, somebody in her campaign needs to wrap their brain around the fact that sending people to HillaryClinton.com for a fact check mm -hmm. uh, really isn't going to convince people that it's a uh, unbiased source. Right. Uh, so I, after the first, I thought she really didn't. Yes, she did say it, and then she doubled down on it last night. Mm -hmm. So if you if you want the real facts, go to my website where everybody's it's fair and and we're not biased yeah. at all. Nobody go to believes my website that. where my people are yeah. putting my campaign's spin <laughs> and dredging up media articles that are friendly to me, which would be ninety nine percent of them. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and then. Posting those as irrefutable facts. At some point in time, the, <laughs> how the American, far are we down the wormhole? Well, y y it tells you what they think of the American people that they're not smart enough to see that oh, yeah. and understand that. Geez, her website's going to be for her and saying that she has everything right and he has everything wrong, huh? Yeah, even uh, and. "Quote unquote fact checking sites." You, you mm -hmm. see a lot of it. You got to do your homework and find out who runs those. Who's the money behind them? What is their history? They have they have all of these things going for them. So so uh, I would encourage you don't don't necessarily go to a quote unquote fact checking site mm -hmm. in 21st century America. Uh, you really got to do your own homework to find an unbiased. Uh, place, which is interesting because we're at a point where most people at this juncture are either too busy, too lazy, or too too ill informed on how to use the tools to do their own research. And it's never been more important than now to be able to do it yourself. And, well, and that's why when you go to social media, you have so many people just flooding the the informational reality with whatever slant is available to them. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm just astounded at the volume of stuff. People who we've worked with in, in media in past who may not be doing this anymore are just itching 
to have a, a forum to get their opinion out, and social media is their their opportunity, their microphone, and mm-hmm. and they are prodigious in putting information out there you, that fits you, their slant. You, sidebar: Do you ever see that and go, "Boy, why didn't you work this hard when you worked with us?" Oh yeah, when I <laughs> hey, when I hired you, yeah. how come you didn't put this kind of effort into yeah. you know? <laughs> I've had that reaction too, boy. So and so wasn't nearly this productive. You stayed when we up worked really together. late, yeah. working hard. Gave, I never got that kind of yeah, sweat out. Exactly. You know? <laughs> now I know what effort looks like from you because <laughs> we weren't seeing it before. No, I've I've had that same feeling as well. Uh, one of the two topics that they got to that I thought showcased the differences starkly uh, between where both candidates want to go, and I thought there were too many topics substantive topics that were left out due to one time constraint and two the desire to be part of this you know e mentality where we wanted to talk sex tape scandals and and all of these things Mm -hmm. but as far as the topics that were actually covered obviously national health care was a huge dividing line between the two uh when hillary said two things one obamacare must be the highest priority for the next president, I thought that revealed a lot about where she's coming from and where she thinks the country is going. And the fact that she never refuted Trump's charge mm-hmm. that what she really was after and her party really is after is single payer. Yeah, no, she, she never did. Again, you have to read between the lines mm-hmm. between uh, what you're hearing and what is being said and what isn't being said. Uh, I think it's uh, I, I think Trump had to corner her on that because in many ways it sounded like she was touting what Obamacare had done and then she would come back in around the wrap around the end of it and say but maybe we would do it different if we were going to do it again mm-hmm. and you have to remember that her husband Bill Clinton former president of the United States was out just less than a week ago saying it was a crazy thing that's that's been bad for a lot of people you can't you can't see both sides of that to her you got to push her right. onto one or the other and I thought that that was, she never said, no, I don't want single payer. And you, you know that's where she's going. Mm-hmm. And it's been obvious from the jump. And then Trump trying to explain, I feel like he's caught in a little bit of a tough spot here. And I'm not saying that he can't do it, but he is in a little bit of a tough spot. The general economic knowledge level of the average American, probably not all that informed. And this is a guy who does big business and has done it for a long time. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those cases where he is an expert, maybe not on insurance, but on large-scale business models. And trying to compress that knowledge down into a few grokkable similes or, or, or sound bites so that people would understand how he wants to change the insurance industry model in order to benefit people, I thought he was in a tough spot because if he gets too technical, then he sounds like he's lording his business prowess over people. And in this day and age, we don't like anybody who comes off as knowing more than we do. Uh, So we we certainly don't like to play the role of not informed, even though the general knowledge level is near zero on this topic in the public. So I thought he was in a little bit of a tough spot there. But she, what I was shocked by was that she never 
backed off his charge that she wanted to go to single payer. And single payer is just code name for an entirely government run healthcare system, the kind of system that Canada is trying to leave behind, that England's been trying to leave behind, that all of the other Western nations that have tried it are desperately trying to leave behind in favor of what? The pre Obamacare model in this country. Uh, she, she didn't deny it, but she also didn't own it. She didn't embrace it either. She, she found this, like we said, space in between where if you pay attention, you know where, you know where she's at, but if you weren't paying attention, you weren't getting all the info, all the, the information that was being fed to you. You're, you're kind of left with, "Eh?" on this particular topic. The other thing that I thought was especially stark was the class warfare. And you saw this when it came to the tax cut issue. Even the questioner who phrased this used the liberal agenda language. How will you make sure that those at the top pay their fair share? As if punishing success is something that we should do in this country and punishing success will make the economy grow. The fact that you use that language, to me, is a, is a red flag that you believe that government should be the one making the calls on every topic because there is only one entity in this country that has the force of law behind it in order to, extra, to involuntarily extract your money from your wallet, and that is government. So as soon as the questioner used the phrase, Make sure the rich pay their fair share. I went, okay, here we go. We've got somebody who's bought in to the liberal agenda that the rich are bad, the successful are necessarily bad people, and they need to be footing the bill for everyone in the country. It's an easy answer for uh, economic problems to just say rich people haven't, we don't have enough, we haven't confiscated enough of their money. And he's right. The laws are the what the laws are. And if he's somehow broken those laws, why aren't there consequences mm-hmm. for that? His argument is he hasn't uh, broken those laws, and she's got plenty of friends who are in the exact same boat as he is, plenty of donors who are in the exact mm-hmm. same boat as he is. And she needs them to be because the more money that they have expendable, the more they can donate right. uh, to and her. And that was so, his point. Yeah. Is that she's doing this now because it's politically expedient for her in this race, not because she actually wants this change. And he finally did something that I've been waiting for him to do. And as a a smart guy in the business world, I can't believe that he hadn't done this before. He was accused of not paying taxes. And he finally rolled out, wait a minute. I pay property tax, employment tax, double, double, uh, whatever the, the, the personal one is when you're the, the head of the company, mm. uh, you're essentially self-employed at that point. He may have a bit different structure for his model than the way he gets paid, but he pays taxes on everything and they were pushing him. Federal, personal federal income tax is only one tiny bit of the tax structure that's set up in this country. Essentially, they were pushing him over a bowl of M&M's, but you didn't eat any blue ones. <laughs> You're I, right. I ate the yellow and the brown and the red and the orange, even the terrible almond M&M's that nobody likes because if you do, you're soulless. I ate all these M&M's. <laughs> you didn't eat a blue M&M. You hate M&M's and you cheated you hate America. to get it around eating a blue M&M. <laughs> all right, federal personal income tax is only one tiny fraction of the tax pie in this country. Yeah, and, and if you don't think so, look at your look at your paycheck next time yeah. you go through it and, and understand that his is a lot more complicated. Oh. Yeah. 
small bit, most likely. Uh, real quickly, before we get to Jim Hoft, uh, were there any topics that you thought were glaring omissions from the debate? I thought there were a couple. I thought the Social Security topic was unfairly left off completely. I know it's not a fun topic that either one wants to approach, but I think it's important. It is important, but would we have gotten anything from them different? Would we would we know or feel different about it today? Uh, but it's it's a chance to get them to go on the record. It's a very simple question. What's your plan to fix Social Security? Sure. Uh, as, and people would say, some people would say there is no problem with Social Security. We just See, need that's, to fund it further. There, and that's a, that's a big difference between these two campaigns. Hillary's campaign, essentially, if you want to grok it down, is things are mostly great. We just need to tinker around the edges. You know, since, mm. since, 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 since we're in the baseball postseason, she thinks the heart of the team is great. We just might need a bullpen reliever and maybe a power pinch hitter to bring off the bench late. You know, Trump's argument is that the whole thing is fundamentally flawed and we need to reimagine what government is doing for us and how we fund it. Yeah. So I'm and I'm using a broad brush. I understand that. But Hillary's basic argument is things are good. We just need to tinker with a couple things. And Trump's is that this is fundamentally flawed and we have to fix some things. Yeah. And, and the fact that she says it's good and we just need to tinker with a few things should scare people because we know where that ultimate goal is to mm -hmm. get us to. And if we're only a couple of tinkers away from that being reality or we're already at that reality and we just want to fine-tune it, then we're further along than I think a lot of people are even aware. I said there were two things I thought were obvious last night. One was the Social Security question. While they did talk foreign policy, the, the general question that has been asked in plenty of other presidential debates and wasn't asked last night is, what's your vision for America's military? Uh, yeah, they, didn't. They, they all kind of beat around the bush on that with some foreign policy accusations. But we, we need a clear vision, I think, because now times are changing. I've long said on this show that I think some sort of a cyber military is the next wing that has to be created and fully funded. Uh, they, they, that job is done across several branches right now, but I think it's a specialty area uh, and, and that needs to happen. So that's just my personal opinion there. But I think a vision for a changing time would have been a great question to ask and, last night. And maybe that will come up in the, the next one. I, I it's, It would be interesting to hear. Oh, you're right. Out. We've got one to go. Yes, we do. All right. We've got Jim Hoff to go next on the morning meeting. Giving conservatives a voice in the tri-states. I mean, this stuff moves people. It's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. WTAD. think that he would hasn't I mean, he been given that he's bat phone approved okay like he has the number to the phone under the glass cake the, plate the cake plate yeah yes. and, and he can red, call it and make it light button. up yeah just has what i don't think it even has buttons it's like it's the old the one button direct line phone right well it had the one button right in the middle so you could transfer it to it what was the red phone yeah, i don't know if you're transferring <laughs> it but it was it went for whatever reason easiest set prop ever it was just a red plastic phone with a light bulb inside of it and yeah. they turned the light on it off Beep. when it rang Beep. so many things uh about it was, that, that yes Batman commissioner era. gordon we're so perfect. All right, Jim Hoff, the Gateway Pundit, with us this morning on the morning meeting. One of uh, several text buddies for the show last night as the debate was going on. Uh, Jim, I was unsurprised 
that you thought Donald Trump was killing it uh, while we were texting last night. Uh, I thought that, and Quaid and I were just talking about this during the break, I thought that he was like a baseball pitcher who had a problem with the umpire's strike zone early. He called out the moderators for not following up on Hillary, for essentially making it a three-on-one debate. And as the night went on, I think there was more moderator participation to question Hillary and not just Donald Trump. So I thought maybe he, he won himself some points right there. Uh, I, it was a good move. Um, it always plays well with uh, Republicans, for sure. And uh, as unpopular as the media is today, mm-hmm. uh, with, uh, you know, one poll saying he, uh, that uh, the media only has 6% support in the country, that only 6% of people trust the media. So I, I think it's a win for Trump uh, uh, to, to attack the media and the moderators. And, um, and they, they are biased. Uh, they were playing several uh, clips this morning of the debate. And this Martha Raddatz from ABC, she, she, you know, she's arguing with Trump. She's fact-checking him. And, of course, they let Hillary just anything she says slides right by. Um, and Hillary was very inaccurate on several of her statements, um, including the fact she says that she wasn't in office when Obama drew his red line. Well, we know today, this morning, that was, that was a lie, too, by Hillary Clinton. So you really can't trust anything Hillary Clinton says. And Donald Trump may exaggerate a few things, but uh, his lies haven't cost U.S. lives like like uh, Hillary Clinton has. Jim Hoff, the Gateway Pundit, with us this morning on the morning meeting. Jim, when, when the the moderators were were granting Hillary a, a wide berth, especially before uh, Trump called him out on, isn't that a little sexist? <laughs> By, from know, the that, moderators. That's funny. Yeah, how about that? And uh, the. By the end of the debate last night, the only thing the, the liberals had and the feminists was the fact that Trump wouldn't sit down. He was walking around, and that's threatening because Hillary is a woman. And so when a man walks around, it's threatening. So on, on one hand, these feminists, these uh, social justice warriors, are telling us how capable Hillary is. On the other hand, they're saying that we need to treat her with kid gloves because she's so fragile. So the liberals mm-hmm. can't make up their mind, and uh, I just don't think it uh, it bodes well for Hillary when she can't even uh, handle a man walking around in a room with her. So uh, do, do we really want someone like that for president? Jim Hoff with us this morning on the morning meeting. Jim, there was a there was a time last night. By the way, uh, Hillary kept saying that the the fact checkers were already hard at work at HillaryClinton.com, which to me may be the worst place to go. For fact checking, uh, and I don't well, know. Wh- you, you, you know, she also said she had a million. We have a million fact checkers. Uh, I guess it's a participation from her uh, her supporters. Hillary has, does not. I don't know. She doesn't have a million people doing anything for her. <laughs> nobody likes her. She only gets a couple hundred at a rally. She gets nobody to watch her on YouTube except for Republicans who give her a thumbs down on every speech she does. So uh, you know, it, it's just such a joke. Again, it's another lie. So. Uh, She's so unpopular. She's going to have a real rough time in this home stretch. There were a few times where Trump would would make references to, and, and and maybe it was pointed at Hillary when he would say "you," but there were times I thought he was speaking uh, on a much broader level of "you." Maybe it wasn't just Hillary. Maybe it wasn't even just the 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 Democrat Party uh, or the current regime that's in power. But I think that there were times where he was referring to you as D.C. and elected officials over the last 
few decades or, or a couple of decades and that uh, a lot of the people thought that he was specifically talking about her when I think he was talking about the whole thing at times. Uh, that could be for sure. I, I think he was, uh, you know, he was throwing a lot of uh, uh, balls in there in the strike zone, and uh, he was hitting on Bill. He was hitting on Hillary. He was hitting on Obama. He was hitting on Obamacare. He just kept, you know, he just kept, you know, slamming her all night long. It was a beautiful thing. Jim Hoff, the Gateway Pundit, with us this morning on the morning meeting. Jim, the pre-debate coverage that was done by many of the leading papers around the country, an hour before the debate or so, I did a little news survey. New York Times, Washington Post already had headlines up. What's wrong with Trump's claims? They were already defending Hillary both over the bill situation due to the press conference that Trump had had a couple hours before that and sort of pre-defending her for the debate last night. I I think when you see that actually play out in real time, it's hard to come to any other conclusion that you have instead of an an unbiased media who's reporting the story, what's really a, a cheerleader section now. Oh, absolutely, and they don't even hide it anymore. It's so apparent. Um, what I thought was brilliant uh, was Donald Trump, before the debate, he invited reporters up to take pictures of uh, his pre-debate um, preparation. And when the reporters walked into the room in St. Louis, uh, he was sitting there with four of Bill's a- accusers, women who said they were raped or groped by Bill Clinton. Um, the media did not know this. I thought it was another brilliant move by Donald Trump. Um, and he punked the media again. And they deserve every bit of this. If they whine, they have no reason to whine, because the way they have treated this man, the way they treated Republicans, the way they treat middle America, the way they treat Christians, the way they treat uh, patriotic Americans, they deserve this. They deserve Trump honking them time after time after time. And uh, it was just, again, another brilliant move by Donald Trump, something we've never seen by any Republican candidate before in history. And uh, I, for one, I loved it. Jim Hoff, the Gateway Pundit, with us this morning on The Morning Meeting. Jim, did you find it odd that the best excuse that Hillary's team could come up with for her to, to give on why there's a public stance versus a private stance uh, was uh, Abraham Lincoln? At, at the time she started mm-hmm. sharing that story, I, I think I might have thrown all my paperwork up in the air as I sat on the couch. And then I texted Sean, do you believe what we what we just heard? How is the American uh, populace supposed to buy it? And Donald immediately stepped in and said, no, we're not buying uh, any of that. They couldn't come up with something that seemed a little bit more reasonable than yeah. she was just following Abraham Lincoln's lead. Oh my God, that was awful. I mean, this woman is really, she's so awful. She's, uh, she's not trustworthy. She's so unlikable. And, and, and you understand why when you see her like last night, um, using Abraham Lincoln, what a joke. Trump's response was just brilliant. And he goes, you know, honest Abe, he was honest and, uh, you know, he was just the opposite of you. Um, and, uh, so Trump's response was epic. Just like he, he had several lines last night that will go down in history. Probably the best one was when uh, she got through talking and he said, you'd be in jail. Um, I, I think that will go down in history as one of the debate, best debate lines ever.
Jim Hoff, the Gateway Pundit, with us this morning on the morning meeting. Has Trump changed the narrative enough after the audio tape from 2005 uh, holding the pre-debate press conference last night with the Bill accusers and his performance on the debate stage last night? Jim, has he sort of changed the narrative enough that we're back to talking about a presidential debate as we careen toward the third in this series? Uh, you know, we you, you guys know and I know that the, the liberals have more hit pieces on them coming. And mm-hmm. we probably had, there's probably some more tapes out there. Um, and uh, so, so we know that they're going to run with that. Uh, and if, what's disappointing, though, and I think uh, Donald Trump has really exposed a lot of things this year. One thing he's exposed is uh, just uh, the bias on Fox News. This morning, uh, morning Joe, uh, Mika and Joe Scarborough, the two hosts, they were talking about Donald Trump and how he had an epic performance, a history-making performance. They were actually honest about how Donald Trump did. If you turn to Fox this morning, it was a bunch of pouty snobs who, um, you know, are still wanting to talk about this tape from, uh, you know, from 11 years ago and just disregarding this brilliant performance he did. It's very disappointing to see this on Fox. We thought, you know, for years, if you're a conservative, you thought you had a friend on Fox. And we're really not seeing that a lot this year. Um, And I think it's probably helping Fox Business Channel. Um, I think they're the winners here because, uh, you know, shows like Megyn Kelly's The Kelly File, it's unwatchable today. She's just so biased against Trump, and she's not the only one. So, uh, you know, at least there's other alternatives out there. Okay, Jim, let's get meta very quickly over this. Some of the allegations against Trump leveled by women, do you think it's because there's some crossover or that the public's aware enough of the crossover with the Roger Ailes allegations at Fox? Um, that's, that's interesting. I, I think um, they're, they're having to go after him. If you notice this morning, WikiLeaks dumped some more documents. One of them says... Uh, you know, that the Clinton campaign was concerned about Bill's sexual escapades uh, bringing down Hillary. So uh, uh, I, I guess they had to go after Trump for this. It's really all they got, which is pretty desperate. Um, but at least they have the media on their side. Jim Hoff, the Gateway Pundit, with us this morning on the morning meeting. Jim, thanks so much for the time. Appreciate the insight. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Jim. All right, guys. Coming up this morning as we continue the morning meeting, the Benedict Option. And who's giving you cover if you want to use it next on The Morning Meeting? Where we go, others will follow. That's who we are. Even if it's not the best idea. The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Hi, it's Glenn Beck, and you're listening to The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean Seacrest, Quaid with you this morning, breaking down last night's presidential debate. The Benedict Option. Yeah, what is this? This is this is something that has been uh, floating around. So the uh, Catholics in this area are under the uh, guidance of uh, Bishop Thomas John Paprocki. He's out of uh, Springfield. Uh, this is this is the diocese, right? So he came out. Uh, with uh, a a column uh, in the latest Catholic Times that said 
that this is such an unprecedented and most challenging election year, uh, many Catholics may, quote, legitimately conclude that in conscience they cannot vote for either presidential candidate. Mm -hmm. And he said, if you want to skip that one when you're in the ballot box, that's okay. I would I would disagree. I would say that we're called to help not only navigate our times, but to to influence them for good as well. And abdicating that responsibility isn't an answer. So the response was the Benedict option. If you're not familiar, this is basically a, a plan that gained a little bit of traction uh, amongst conservative. Uh, intellectuals, I know that phrase isn't usually used together, that allows them to, quote, opt out of participation in political life. Again, abdication. This seems like cowardly to me. Uh, there is a, uh, a professor at Trinity International University who explained it a little better. He said just opting out is not what the Benedict Option is. The Benedict Option is a refusal to work for the good of an existing social order on the grounds that the existing social order is too corrupt to work for the good of the public with a clear conscience. That's so a reframing of opting out. Right, right. But what you're saying is, is instead of just go, throwing your hands up and going, I'm done with it, it's a, it's a thought process that says, essentially, this order, what, what we are doing is so far gone, there is no saving it. To me, that's a prelude to revolution. If you've gone that far, that you think the system is so corrupt and that no one with a conscience can participate in the system... Now you have, I mean, that's, a, that's less severe words have been used to incite revolutions. So uh. this is, you're all the way at the end. So I thought this was very interesting. The Pope, of course, we talked about his words uh, when he said everyone should pray and consult their conscience before voting. And that's what I would expect to hear from the Pope. Sure. And people should pray, and not just about voting, but about many things. So pray. that, pray that is out there. Uh, this morning on the local scene, Jeff Van Camp just hours ago, announced his uh, candidacy as an independent for mayor of Quincy this morning. So he was on the council previously uh, as an independent, and uh, he has announced that that uh, Scott Hardy from the WTAD newsroom was there. Much more on that coming up uh, okay. in an hour here on WTAD. And I thought this was interesting. If there is one country that is synonymous uh, with the rise of the uh, sort of luxury sports car, it's got to be Germany, right? Yeah, Germany or uh, I mean, some people would say Italy, but I understand what you're saying. Germany has just uh, voted. Germany would be luxury. Italy would be exotic. Sure. And Germany has just voted uh, at the highest level of its government to ban the production of the internal combustion engine by 2030. Ooh, that's right. That's right. Norway has also proposed the same thing. So does this mean there's an opportunity that we could uh, house BMW? And Mercedes-Benz. I think it's time to go to the table. And, 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 and some of those here in the United States. I think it's time to make friends. We've so got you the go. room. This is this is a, a, a big deal. If you're going to see car culture change and you talk about fueling and, and so forth, Germany has voted to end production of the internal combustion engine by 2030. That kind of caught my eye this morning. Huh, okay. All right, more morning meeting coming up tomorrow. Digest what you saw last night, and if you missed it, grab the podcast. Morning meeting adjourned. Join us again tomorrow for the best talk in the tri-states. The morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD.